Hey guys, uh, Natai and Hans here, and we are continuing our reading of Coming Back, The Science Coming of Reincarnation, yeah. by A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and we are reading the third story from Chapter 4 called Visitors from Beyond. Beyond. Yes. Take it away. Alright. Uh, there's a Bhagavad Gita verse here at the top, uh, the, just the translation, Bhagavad Gita 8.6. Chapter 8, verse 6. Whatever state of being one remembers when he quits his body, that state he will attain without fail. <clears throat> As the soul sets out on its mysterious journey after death, it may, according to the traditions of the world's greatest religions, meet with beings from other levels of reality. <clears throat> Excuse me. Angels who help it, or judges who weigh its good and evil deeds on the scales of cosmic justice. A variety of religious art objects spanning the entire range of man's cultural history depicts such scenes. A painting on a fragment of Etruscan pottery shows an angelic figure attending a fallen warrior. A Christian mosaic from the Middle Ages show a grim Saint Michael, the scales of justice in his hands. Many people who have had near-death experiences often report encountering such beings. In the Vedic scriptures of India, we learn of the servants of Lord Vishnu, uh, also called the Vishnu Dutas, who appear at the time of death to accompany the pious souls on its way to the spiritual world. The Vedas also tell of the fearsome agents of Yamaraj, the Lord of Death, who forcefully arrest the soul of a sinful man and prepare it for its next incarnation in the prison of a material body. In this historical account, the servants of Vishnu and the servants of Yamaraj dispute the fate of the soul of Ajamil, deciding whether he should be liberated or reincarnated. So I think it's really, uh, I'll take a break here for a second. It's important that last sentence there, um, deciding, whether he, deciding whether he should be liberated or reincarnated. Yeah. Um, and just above, I don't remember if I sent you that, the one podcast where they were talking about sin. I think you did. I'm about two pockets behind what you sent me. Okay. I think I, I sent me like four in the past two weeks and I listened to two of the four. Yeah, so like <clears throat> sin here, you know, Prabhupada a lot of times refers to sin. And in, yeah. the, in the one episode of the podcast, they were, uh, they were, talking, they were about talking about this. And, you know, someone reading it, you know, maybe from a Christian background, they, um, they might hear that word or, you know, and like, oh God. Like, but really what Prabhupada means by sin is not something evil that you're doing just anything that you do that is ultimately distracting you away from your relationship with you and the supreme being so anything that you do that is not done in service to the lord not done with the mindset of maintaining your relationship with the lord then those actions entangle you. Isn't that called fruit karma. of activities? Fruit that of activity. Sin, well, sin it's is karma. More like I mean, it... actions where you're like actually doing because <clears throat> like well, the, uh, well, from you to a... go to like a hellish planet, whereas fruit of activities could just require you to come back here. Well, but that's the thing right? is or that not... sin. I mean, from what I understand, yeah. the sin is. It's not necessarily evil. Mm. It, it could be even something that's maybe a pious activity. Right. But if the pious activity is done not in 
service mm. to Krishna, then that pious activity, it still is going to accrue karma. So sin is any action that is going to further entangle you in the material world, whether it's good, bad, evil, in between. So, <clears throat> so when, you know, the, the, the Yamadutas, they come to take you away, it's not uh, like they're dragging you to hell. They drag you before Yamaraj. Yeah, and and Yamaraj is the Lord, he's the demigod that Krishna, in, according to the Vedic scriptures, Krishna you know, gives Yamaraj the job of deciding. It's like a warden. It's like, exactly, exactly like a warden. And at the time of death, or, and that's warden when... warden judge mixed together yeah, a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we're in the prison, and when you die and you go before Yamaraj, that's when the warden go. is saying, okay, let's have a review of your behavior. Yeah. Were you good? Okay, you were good. You get to go to a, a, a better body. Yeah. Or if you, well, and if you're, you know a very spiritual person or a devotee of Krishna when you die, rather than getting dragged because of the... <clears throat> I know we're kind of going off on a tangent here, but it's kind of important to explain the... I think... Um, so if you're Krishna conscious and you're living your life, performing your duties in, you know, yeah. service to Krishna with the mood of I'm not attached to my work, I'm not attached to the results of my work, I'm simply living my life yeah. in service to God, then the actions you're doing are not binding you to the material world. Right. They're karma-free. Therefore, service. at the time of death, the Yamadutas have nothing to drag you before Yamaraj to because you're not, not bound by karma. Up. They're not they're even going to show they're up. They're not even going to show up to have this debate. So the Vishnu Duda, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, so that's kind of like the premise more around the, whether or not that's... I guess fruit of activities are one one like section of sin. Because yeah, my, my in... understanding, like in the past, the reason I ask that is to clarify not just for anyone listening, but also for myself actually, mm -hmm. is that in my mind, fruit of activities and sins were always different. In the sense of like fruit of activities would be things that weren't inherently bad per se, but they were still kind of meaning that you'd come back, like like the pious activities that aren't for Krishna that kind of give you good karma that now you have to come back. To get those good benefits from the karma versus sin being something that's like more punishable per se, air quotes. I mean, it like... kind of depends on <clears throat> it depends on. But I guess fruit the of, definition it's just like one that... aspect of it, like demonic activity versus fruit of like like demonic sin versus fruit of activity sin, but they're still considered sin all the way around, kind of. I'd have to pull up. There's some Bhagavad Gita verses that talk okay. about this. So, well, fruit of I mean, activity... either way, fruit it's kind of, of semantics. Fruit of activity, yeah, it's a semantics. Yeah. Fruit of activity is any activity that you are doing that you... Will get fruits from. Yeah, You'll exactly. Get something, or some I'm doing something it. because I want a reward for it. Anything now, that's not a spiritual reward, because the only reward you're really willing, the able to, I guess, like, want is that relationship with Krishna yeah. that to go back to our eternal form and not have to keep coming back in these well the interesting thing like is the... like in those verses that I sent you and I think some of the other ones after that I read yeah. in Bhagavad Gita from, from what I am getting from or gathering from the Bhagavad Gita it's really fascinating it's, it's really not a physical necessarily a physical change in your life that has yeah. to take place to become Krishna conscious it's all about a state of mind yeah so like you and I could both do the same thing for a career we both have a family both do our things yeah if you're or me if I'm doing everything and I'm only doing it for the for the reward for the fruit of work and I'm I'm forgetting about Krishna I'm neglecting 
you know, maybe I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, but I'm a very pious person and I live my life, I'm a good father, yeah. I'm a good husband, provide for myself, I'm a responsible citizen. You may live your life the exact same way, but if you're living your life and you are always thinking about Krishna and you're devoting everything you do for Krishna, yeah. you are actually, like this is the, the really fascinating bit, is you're able to enjoy, in, not that you're... If you're living in if you're living in the right like uh, mindset, you're not doing it for the enjoyment, but you get the fruits of the enjoyment anyways. Right, that's, and you end that's up part of Krishna's it. relationship with the devotee. He could do is, that anyway. Yeah, like you know the yogi who falsely says, "Oh, I'm going to run away, go to the woods. I'm going to you know avoid looking at beautiful yeah. women so I don't get attached." There, you're just you're like you're forcing it down. Exactly. If you get married and well, you like, marry a beautiful woman like the story and you have a family and you're dedicating it to yeah. He went out to avoid <clears> all his attachments, <throat> and he still ended up <laughs> finding this deer, yeah, exactly. and then he got attached to the deer. Yeah. So like, if you're not, and I, I was actually having a conversation. I know we need to start reading again, but yeah. um, a conversation with uh, Dama and Bryn the other day, and we had we were talking briefly about this type of thing. As far as, like, sometimes it's easy to, like, see people. And, like, basically it's, like, you know, what is, like, is going to the temple and being, like, you know, chanting arounds and going to the morning program. But then you go home and you play your video games and you do, you know, like, it can seem almost like this aspect of, like, am I being fake by doing that? You know, like, because, but, mm. on, and I guess in the one hand, depending on why you're doing it, like, if you're going to the temple to pretend to be this pure yeah. devotee this self-realized soul and then you get home and you turn all the blinds down and you turn on the game like no one can see me now and I'm, you know then <laughs> yeah. it's a problem because yeah, you're doing yeah, it yeah. to be like then it's kind of like subversive but i think there's Again, a line a there where it's like if you are going because you do have issues controlling your senses you do have these attractions to things and the desire to do things that aren't for krishna so you're trying to spend a few hours each day really focused on mm -hmm. that and then when you go home you allow that or before whatever whatever your cycle is I think there's more room for that than people believe because just by spending some time every day doing that service, you'll slowly get. You're exactly You're like right. Training yourself. You're exactly on that. right. I'm gonna grab this Bhagavad Gita here because okay. I do remember a verse pertaining to this. I should have brought mine because I underlined. The burning tower piece up there. I need oh to clean that. Bookshelf. <laughs> I okay. To, I don't have to ruin that bookshelf. I actually <laughs> no, went to look for another bookshelf that's so nice and perfect size, and it's no longer being sold. I'm like, are you kidding me? Hopefully, it's because of COVID and it comes back. But uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh God! I need really need to bring mine with me. Um, well, while you're looking, why don't I okay. start reading? Yes, yeah, so you we start reading. Yep, and we'll circle back to that. All right. So, in the city of Kanyakubja, there once lived a young saintly Brahmana priest named Ajamil, who fell from the path of spiritual life and lost all his good qualities when he fell in love with a prostitute. Giving up his priestly duties, Ajamil now made his living through robbery and gambling and passed his life in debauchery. By the time he was 88 years old, Ajamil had fathered 10 sons by the prostitute. Wow. They got busy. The youngest, <laughs> a baby, the youngest, a baby was named Narayan, one of the names of the Supreme Lord Vishnu. Ajamil was very attached to his young son and derived great pleasure watching the child's early attempts to walk and talk. One day, without warning, the time of death arrived for the foolish Ajamil. Terrified, the old man saw before him gruesome figures with fierce, twisted faces. These subtle beings with ropes in their hands had come to forcibly escort him to the court 
of Yamaraj, the Lord of Death. Yeah, they even call it a court here. Mm -hmm. uh, seeing these ghoulish creatures, Ajamil became bewildered, and out of affection for his beloved child, who was playing a short distance away, he began to cry loudly, Narayan, Narayan, with tears in his eyes, weeping for his young son. The great sinner Ajamil unwittingly chanted the holy name of the Lord. You said down here. You couldn't find it? No, I found it. Oh, you yeah. did? Okay. I marked it. Yeah. Um, hearing their master's name chanted with great feeling the dying, by the dying Ajamil, the order carriers of Vishnu, the Vishnu Dudas, arrived within a second. They appeared just like Lord Vishnu himself. Their eyes resembled the petals of a lotus flower. They wore helmets of burnished gold and glittering yellow silk garments and their perfectly formed bodies were decorated with garlands of fragrant lotuses. They appeared fresh and youthful, and their dazzling effulgence illuminated the darkness of the death chamber. In their hands they held bows, arrows, swords, swords, conch shells, clubs, discs, and lotus flowers. Just to clarify there, the death chamber is not like a uh, torture device from like one of the world wars. They're talking about where he's the the room in which the he room is in which he's away. passing away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just the I don't know if chamber. anybody would have thought that. But just, yeah. just he's being hacked apart in the basement. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> uh, do you want to read what we were talking about, or do you want to take? Um. Away? Yeah, I guess. In, uh, yeah. Since it's more recent. Um. Now. We'll stop there with the. With the well, death actually, chamber. this is great because it pertains to Ajmil and the, oh, nice. the lust and. Um, so Arjuna is asking, I'm j I'll read a few translations to give context and then uh, purport real quick. Okay, so Krishna here says, but those who out of envy disregard these teachings, and he's speaking about the Vedic teachings, yeah. and do not practice them regularly, are to be considered bereft of all knowledge, befooled and doomed to ignorance and bondage. Even a man of knowledge acts according to his own nature, for everyone follows his nature. And when he says nature, I believe he's referring to the nature that we have based on our karmic Background, our natural tendencies. Like yeah, our, well, well, yeah, based on our karma, our the or... the three modes of nature affect us differently. Yeah. So, if you've been living very piously, you're going to be more affected by the mode of goodness. Right. Whereas someone who's much more in the mode of ignorance, you know, like, you know, you're you're, you know, a drug addict or something, then you're going to be tending to live, be more affected by the mode of ignorance. Or if you're, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, so, what can repression accomplish? Repression meaning shoving down those desires and trying to just like, oh, no, no, I'm, right. I'm a yogi. I'm going to go meditate in the woods. So, Oh, is this what you sent me the other day? Because you sent me some really powerful stuff on the this, same stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, I think, day. what I sent you. Or, or some similar. of it. So, yeah, yeah it's very... Read. Um, attraction and repulsion for sense objects are felt by embodied beings, but one should not fall under the control of senses and sense objects because they are stumbling blocks on the path of self-realization. So then here's the purport for this one. Oh, excuse me. Those who are, and this is by uh, Srila Prabhupada, mm -hmm. those who are in Krishna consciousness are naturally, or God consciousness, you know, whatever, uh, he just calls it Krishna consciousness, so are naturally reluctant to engage in material sense gratifications. But those who are not in such consciousness should follow, right? Those who are not in such consciousness, meaning God consciousness, right. should follow the rules and regulations of the revealed scriptures mm -hmm. because... You know, it's like, uh, you know, going mm -hmm. to the gym. You want to get ripped. You can't just 
not like you have to do some kind of regimen and then right. you slowly gain results. Yeah. Unrestricted sense enjoyment is the cause of material engagement. So unrestricted sense right. enjoyment. Yeah, when you don't have any restrictions. You don't, can't control your senses. <clears throat> but one who follows the rules and regulations of the revealed scriptures does not become entangled by the sense objects. For example, sex enjoyment is a necessity for the conditioned soul. I mean, it's like in our DNA. Right. Everything is, you know. And sex enjoyment is allowed under the license of marriage ties. For example, according to scriptural injunctions, one is forbidden to engage in sex relationships with any woman other than one's wife. All other women are to be considered as one's mother, so respected. But in spite of such injunctions, a man is still inclined to have sex relationships with other women. You know, or, yeah. you know especially today. These propensities are to be curbed, otherwise they will be stumbling blocks on the path of self-realization. As long as the material body is there, and this is pertaining directly to Ajumil, because he had a wife already, yeah. and then left her for the prostitute, you know? Right. And yet we should not rely upon the control of such allowances. One has to follow these rules and regulations unattached to them, because practice of sense gratification under regulations may also lead one to go astray. So at the same time, yeah. you follow the Vedic injunctions, but don't be so complacent that, oh, well, I'm enjoying because the Vedas said I could do it. That can also then yeah, yeah, you have to be careful. Straight. It's a very thin. I think yeah. it's a very fine line. But I do think that when you go the complete opposite of not allowing yourself to do anything, and you're just thinking about it all the time and pretending exactly. to be emotional, then, then not, you have a, yeah. a, just an equal problem yeah. on the other side of it. Although they may be very carefully maintained, no one can guarantee there will be no danger, even on oh, the safest, on the safest road. roads. That's so a good point. No the sense, what you do. yeah. The sense enjoyment spirit has been current a very long, long time, owing to material association. Sense enjoyment spirit has been current a very long, long time, owing to material association. Therefore, in spite of regulated sense enjoyment, there is every chance of falling down. Therefore, any attachment for regulated sense enjoyment must also be avoided by all means. But action in loving service of Krishna detaches one from all kinds of sensory activities. Therefore, no one should try to be detached from Krishna consciousness at any stage of life. The whole purpose of detachment from all kinds of sense attachment is ultimately to become situated on the platform of Krishna consciousness or God consciousness. So I want to really quickly read like, the stuff you sent me. It's just the translations. I won't read the poor portions. Yeah. It should be pretty quick. But I want to These were the ones I think that yeah. I read this morning that I wanted to yeah. send you anyways. Um, <clears throat> And then this one here is a good one, uh, 36. Arjuna asks, O descendant of Vrishni, by what, is one what, by what is one impelled to sinful acts, even unwillingly, as if engaged by force? So we may not want to act sinfully, but sometimes we end up doing. So, okay, a living entity, it's a short purport, a living entity is part and parcel okay. of the Supreme, is originally spiritual, pure, and free from all material contaminations. Therefore, by nature, he is not subjected to the sins of the material world. But, when he is in contact with material nature, he acts in many sinful ways without hesitation, and sometimes even against his own will. As such, Arjuna's question to Krishna is very sanguine, as to, be perverted, as to the perverted nature of the living entities. Although the living entity sometimes does not want to act in sin, he is still forced to act. Sinful actions are not, however, impelled by the super soul within. So it's not Krishna right. Right. guiding you towards well, the yeah, sinful acts. 
but are due to another cause, as the Lord explains in the next verse. And here Krishna says, quote, The Blessed Lord said, It is lust only, Arjuna, which is born of contact with the material modes of passion, mm-hmm. and later transformed into wrath, and which is the all-devouring sinful enemy of this world. I'm going to really quick read these translations. We'll get back to what we're <clears> reading. Um, so this is also in chapter 3. It's text 8. Perform your prescribed duty, for doing so is better than not working. One cannot even maintain one's physical body without work. One who, this is the next translation, Mm -hmm. one who restrains the senses of action, but whose mind dwells on sense objects, certainly deludes himself and is called a pretender. And that's what I was talking about. Yes. As far as the idea of, like, like forcing yourself to completely give everything up when you're not ready for that. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the podcast we listen to saying how like our life experiences are meant to like ripen us for hearing and like oh, better. Yeah, I love that but of course episode. if you die early or whatever it's yeah. you know doesn't mean you should just like wait till you're 80 to start doing anything but uh there is room for like you screw up you just keep working on it it's not yeah. like you're um one who restrains this oh that's what i just read on the other hand if if a sincere person tries to control the active senses by the mind and begins karma yoga in krishna or god consciousness without attachment he is by far superior yeah um, anyway, let's get Krishna back to this. dropping them knowledge yeah. bombs. <laughs> so back to the Vishnu Duda's arrival. Yeah. To, uh, okay, the death you chamber. left it off right here, right? Uh, yeah. This, Lotus flowers. Okay. The Vishnu Dutas saw the servants. Yeah. The Vishnu Dutas saw the servants of Yamaraj. The Yamadutas, snatching Ajamil's soul from the core of his heart, and with resounding voices they cried, "Stop!" The Vishnu Dutas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. The, yeah. You're good. The Yamadutas, who had never before encountered any opposition. So these guys are just going about their this uh-huh. their job, man. They're going to to lasso souls and drag them before uh, yeah. justice. And all of a sudden, hey, <laughs> trembled upon hearing. They trembled upon hearing the Vishnudutas harsh command. Who are you? Who are you trying to stop? Or why are you trying to stop us? They asked. We are the servants of Yamaraj, the Lord of Death. The agents of Vishnu smiled and spoke in voices as deep as the rumbling of rain clouds. If you are truly the servants of Yamaraj, you must explain to us the meaning of the cycle of birth and death. Tell us, who must enter this cycle and who must not? The Yamadutas replied, The sun, fire, sky, air, demigods, moon, evening, day and night, the directions, water, land, and the supersoul, or the Lord within the heart. All witness the activities of everyone. The candidates for punishment in the cycle of birth and death are those who are confirmed by these witnesses to have deviated from their religious duties. Well, that's pretty heavy. The candidates for punishment in the cycle of birth and death are those who are confirmed by these witnesses. So, the sun, fire. That's why in Vedic, uh, right there, the second one is fire. Yeah. You know, so in, in, in India and these Vedic, you know, the Vedic culture is always, <clears throat> you know, every morning people have, you know, it's a habit. People wake up before the sun. They, they don't, well, they worship the sun, but they don't worship the sun as, as, if as it's God. God. It's, it's, paying you're paying respects, respects to the, the, the supreme awesome power of God. So the sun, they do sacrifices before fire because it's seen as pure. Yeah. And then you have sky, air. So these things that are all around us that you can right. never escape from. Uh, <clears throat> so those are bearing witness on us, according to their philosophy. Facebook's spying on you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big Brother is watching. <laughs> the biggest Big, brother. Big brother. <laughs> uh, but he's not watching in a way of, I'm going to burn you in, way, in eternity. Yeah. It's like, 
it's lovingly watching you like a like a parent watching a kid right as they play struggling to right. to build a, a a house of Lincoln logs like right. ha 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 that's funny uh, in per- okay those candidates for punishment in the cycle of birth and death are those who are confirmed by these witnesses blah blah, blah. In proportion to the extent of one's religious or irreligious action in this life, one must enjoy or suffer the corresponding reactions of karma in the next. Originally, the living being... That's a really important line there, too, because... assuming, Assuming the law of karma and the cycle of birth and death, just assume that it is correct. Uh, then that that is what gives the explanation for some people are really good people right they've never done anything they oh I've never heard a fly but then they suffer through horrible events in their life yeah and the thing is it's from their past life it's from their past life I mean you or or it could be something from this life or as we saw with the story of Jod Bharat, I mean, think about this, you know, from, from everyone on the external view looking in on Jod Bharat, they all felt sorry for him. Oh, he's a mute, dumb idiot. Yeah. He can't speak. He's a, you know, he's mentally challenged. Like, what, yeah. people throw rocks at him and, and, you know, chase him out of town. But was he that way? No. I mean, inside he was, he made that choice. He's yeah. like, I, I'm going to do this because I don't want to be bothered. So that's another thing is we may see from us looking out or looking at somebody else, you may think, oh, my God, they're suffering so horribly. And they may they may be. Yeah. But you also don't know what kind of realizations they're going through. I mean, they're, you know, the suffering that we go through, you can either, like, just let it completely ruin your life. Yeah. Or you can choose to have a different, you know, frame of mind and, uh, you know, see it as a, I mean, a blessing in disguise, you know, like, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I know, I know, I know it sounds like, oh, well, it's easy for you to say because you're not going through that. I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah. I think, but the the bottom line is that it's something that you have to go through. So if you're if you're, you're going through it anyway, you're going through it. So, so then, if you focus on making sure you don't go through it in the future, that's like the best case because then you don't yeah. have to come back. And that's kind of what this is all about: is not coming back to this material construct. Not or if we take the advice, like Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, is don't be yeah don't be disturbed by what's happening to the body. It's temporary, right. just like the stock market. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up. Yeah. When it's down and the economy tanks, you know it's only a matter of time before yeah. it comes back and. It, so happiness and distress are the same thing. They're, temporary. they're the waves, yeah. and you either ride the waves, or you fight against the waves, and they just push you under and smash you against the rocks. I mean, yeah. it's like uh, originally <clears throat> the living being, the living beings exist in the spiritual world as eternal servants of God, but when they give up the service of the Lord, they must enter the material universe comprised of the three modes of nature. In the Bhagavatam, they talk, in the first canto, they talk about, I think, first canto? Uh, but when they talk about creation, it's interesting um, where they actually give, like, 
the order of all the different elements yeah, that were used in creation, first, yeah. and it's really fascinating to read that. Uh, goodness, passion, and ignorance, the three modes of nature. The Yamadutas explain that the living beings who desire to enjoy this material world come under the control of the modes, and according to their specific relationship with these modes, acquire suitable material bodies. A being in the mode of goodness obtains the body of a demigod, and one in the mode of passion takes birth as a human, and one in the mode of ignorance enters the lower species. All of these bodies are like the bodies we experience in dreams. When a man goes to sleep, he forgets his real identity and may dream that he has become a king. He cannot remember what he was doing before he went to sleep, nor can he imagine what he will do upon waking. In the same way, when a soul identifies with a temporary material body, he forgets his real spiritual identity. Wow, that's a really powerful analogy. As well as any previous lives in the material world. Although most souls in a human body have already transmigrated through all 8,400,000 species of life. Um, somewhere else, I cannot quote where exactly, but uh, Prabhupada was saying that when you when we come initially to the material world you're given a human form uh -huh. and then based on what you do with that human form of life dictates are you you you're given the human form of life are you going to be intelligent and use it to get right back out right and if you don't and you succumb to the modes of material nature now you fall from the human birth and now you have to experience all these different lower births until eventually you're finally given a chance again at a human birth. Yeah. And if you don't take it, then you again Same fall thing. back. Yeah. And it's like... So... <clears throat> the human form of life is considered very, you know... Not that it's Just, worth more than any of the other lives, but... Well, so it's, it's, it's it the is best, the chance... It's the best chance to go back. Basically. To get out. Yeah, because as an animal, you don't have the higher cognitive function that we have. Yeah. The ability to reason. Yeah. You want to yeah. The living entity thus transmigrates. This is the Yamadutta is continuing to explain. The living entity thus transmigrates from one material body to another in human life, animal life, and life as a demigod, the Yamadutta said. When the living entity gets the body of a demigod, he is very happy. When he gets a human body, he is sometimes happy and sometimes sad. <laughs> we all know about that. <laughs> and when he gets the body of an animal, he is always fearful. In all conditions, however, he suffers terribly, experiencing birth, death, disease, and old age. His miserable condition is called samsara, or transmigration of the soul through different species of material life. The foolish embodied living entity, the Yamadutas continued, unable to control his senses or his mind, is forced to act according to the influence of the modes of material nature, even against his own desires. He is like a silkworm that uses its own saliva to create a cocoon and then becomes trapped in it. The living entity traps himself in a network of his own fruitive activities and then can find no way to free himself. Thus, he is always bewildered and repeatedly dies and is reborn. Damn. Because of his intense material desires, said the Yamadutas, a living entity takes birth in a particular family and receives a body like that of either the mother or the father. That body is an indication of his past and future bodies, just as one springtime is an indication of past and future springtimes. 
the human form of life is especially valuable because only a human being can understand the transcendental knowledge that can free him from the cycle of birth and death. But Ajamil had wasted his human life. So that's, I guess, even the demigods, because they enjoy so much that it can be, they don't it's really It's very risky. That. Yeah. It's a yeah. risky situation to be in. Yep. <clears throat> wow. In the beginning, the Yamadutas said, Ajamil studied all the Vedic literatures. He was a reservoir of good character and conduct. He was very <laughs> mild and gentle, and he kept his mind and senses under control. He was always truthful knew how to chant the Vedic mantras, and was very pure. Ajamil always showed, showed proper respect to his spiritual master, guests, and the elderly members of his household. Indeed, he was free from false prestige. He was benevolent to all living beings, and he never envied anyone. Oof. But once, following the order of his father, Ajamil went to the forest to collect fruits and flowers. On the way home, he came upon a very lusty, low-class man, shamelessly embracing and kissing a prostitute. The man was smiling, singing, and enjoying himself, as if this were proper behavior. Both the man and the prostitute were drunk. The prostitute's eyes were rolling in intoxication, and her dress had become loose, partially exposing her body. When Ajamil saw the prostitute, the dormant, lusty desires in his heart awakened and in illusion he fell under their control. He tried to remember the instructions of the scriptures and control his lust with the help of his knowledge and intellect, but because of the force of Cupid within his heart, he was unable to control his mind. After that, he always thought of the prostitute, and within a short time, he took her in as a servant in his house. Bad idea. Ajmeel. As a servant. The higher you, higher you fly, the harder, the farther you fall, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's like, you really won't be able to resist then. I mean, put it the, right under your nose. The crazy thing is, this just makes me think like, oh my god, I mean, the way they describe Ajamil, he was already like, he was pretty learned, read a lot of books, like, read and first studied. class dude. Yeah. I, like he's where I will maybe maybe one day <laughs> if I'm yeah, lucky can yeah. get there. He and was already there, took. and all it took is that bam. Yeah. That the sex sex is the Prabhupada says sex is the golden shackle that keeps us chained to the material world. Yeah. <clears throat> Ajamil then gave up all of his spiritual practices. He spent the money he had inherited from his father on presents for the prostitute, and even rejected his beautiful young wife, who mm. came from a respectable Brahmana family. This rascal Ajamil got money any way he could, legally or illegally, and used it to maintain the prostitute's sons and daughters. Before death, he did not undergo atonement. Therefore, because of his sinful life, we must take him to the court of Yamaraj, there, according to the extent of his sinful acts, he will be punished and then returned to the material world in a suitable body. This, He's got this is all happening right in front of him. You know, this is happening. They're talking about him like he's even there. <laughs> and they're just like talking what? about well, oh, you and what's your, basically asking for the credentials to show that they're who they say they are to take him yeah. if they need to take him. And it's just like, wow. 
and you're just there at the end of your life, like, and then they're just laying out all your mistakes for you, like, and he did like, this, and he did this, ah! and he did this, and all your justifications don't matter. It's, it's all the principal talking to your mom and dad that came to have to yeah. pick you up from the office, and yeah. you're just like, ah. Like, well, were you watching him? <laughs> he wasn't doing great things. Oh, man. Oh, man. You want to take over for a minute? Yeah. <clears throat> After hearing... The statements of the Yamadutas, the servants of Lord Vishnu, who are always expert in logic and argument, replied. So, I like that too. They don't just mindlessly spew out, oh, you, it's, yeah. it's logic yeah. and argument. Replied, how painful it is to see that those in charge of upholding religious principles are needlessly punishing an innocent person. Ajamil has already atoned for all of his sins. Indeed, he has atoned not only for sins performed in this life, but for those performed in millions of previous lives as well, because he chanted the holy name of Narayan in a helpless state of mind at the time of death. And many, many times, you know, it is stated repeatedly by in the Vedic scriptures, Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada, over and over, Krishna, God, Vishnu, whatever you want to call him, and his name mm-hmm. are non-different. Um, you know, because Krishna is, I mean, he's God, he's ultimate. The, how we have a body and inside we have a soul, like yeah. Krishna is made of nothing but pure spirit. Yeah. His body and his soul are one and the same. Yeah. And because he's so pure, that's why his, that's, this is the reason why people will say, oh, well, why do you offer food to a deity? It's just a, it's a rock or it's a piece of, a chunk of metal. Yeah. <clears throat> but the thing is, Krishna doesn't have to physically eat it in front of you. His, mm-hmm. With his eyes, he can, with any one of his senses, it is described in, in the Bhagavad Gita or in, in the Bhagavatam, but any one of his senses, he can perform the actions of all the other senses through that sense. So yeah. he can use his eyes to eat and honor the prasadam that you gave him. He can use his ears to, you know, you know, anyway... Yeah. Um, so, thereby, his, like him and his name, they're they're not any different. Yeah. And this is this is also why, as you know, Hare Krishnas or Bhakti Yogis or whatever you want to call devotees of Krishna. Yeah. Um, that's one of the one of the reasons why we name or take the names mm-hmm. of either devotees of Krishna or one of Krishna's names. So that way, even when you're calling somebody, you know, Nitai or Dhruva or, yeah. uh, you know, Narayan, Krishna, Keshava, you're calling someone, you know, another person, but you're also chanting the names of God. So it's, it's just another way to help us always keep God consciousness in the back of our mind. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, because he chanted the holy names of Narayan in a helpless state of mind at the time of death, therefore he is now pure and is eligible for liberation from the cycle of reincarnation. So because his son was named Narayan, and he, he was calling his son, yeah. and he loved his son more than anything, his youngest son. That even exactly no, there's no calling the name the Lord's name in vain because he was calling the name Narayan with the love he would have called for his own son. Yeah, that is why it's not just because you can't just live a sinful life and then say, "Oh, Narayan, Narayan, Narayan." Like he was calling and he really meant it. Yeah, but he meant yeah. Anyway, it's really 
Krishna works in sneaky ways. Yeah. The chanting of the holy name of Lord Vishnu, the Vishnu Dutas said, is the best process of atonement for a thief or a drunkard, for one who betrays a friend or relative, for one who kills a priest, or for one who indulges in sex with the wife of his guru or another superior. Yeah. Ooh, there's some heavy karma, man. It is also the best method of atonement for one who murders women, the king, or his father, for one who slaughters cows and for all other sinful persons, simply by chanting the holy name of Lord Vishnu. Such sinful persons may attract the attention of the Supreme Lord, who therefore considers, because this person has chanted my holy name, it is my duty to give him protection. In this present age of quarrel and hypocrisy, the age of Kali, one who wants liberation from reincarnation should chant the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, the great mantra of deliverance, because it completely cleanses the heart of all material desires that keep one trapped in the cycle of birth and death. The Vishnu Dutas said, One who chants the holy name of the Lord is immediately freed from the reactions of unlimited sins, even if he chants, even if he chants jokingly or for musical entertainment. This is accepted in the scriptures and by all learned scholars. If one chants the holy name of the Lord, or uh, the holy name of Lord Krishna, and then dies in an accident or from a disease, or is killed by a weapon or deadly animal, one is immediately freed wow. from having to take birth again. That's so the really what we need to do anything. is create, live in such a way so that our You're state always, of mind is thinking of Krishna, because death can come at any time. Name, and when, yeah, when death comes, if you live your life in that way through muscle memory eventually krishna is going to be krishna consciousness is going to be your default consciousness yeah and therefore you know that's really so that's like that's the kind of mindset we need to be striving for if you're practicing bhakti yoga yeah as a fire burns dry grass to ashes the holy name of krishna burns to ashes all of one's karmic reactions so even chanting, you know, for musical entertainment or jokingly, whatever. Imagine if you're chanting with sincerity yeah. and with love in your heart, you know, how yeah. much more that will attract uh, Krishna. The Vishnu Dutas then said, if a person unaware of the potency of a medicine takes that medicine mm -hmm. or is forced to take it, it will act even without his knowledge. Damn, that's a good, that's a really yeah. good analogy. <laughs> yeah. Even if one does not know the value of chanting the holy name of the Lord, the chanting will still be effective in liberating one from reincarnation. And that's because... So the Maha Mantra, real quick, I guess, I don't know for anyone that may watch or one day or whatever that doesn't know. Uh, you know, as devotees, we chant on... You know, it's kind of like a rosary... On, on some beads and you chant the Maha Mantra Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare and it's just Krishna's name it's yeah Hare Krishna Rama so you're essentially you know you're Krishna is obviously Krishna yeah. the all attractive one Hare is uh, the energy refers to the energy of the Lord and yeah. Rama I'm not I don't remember the exact a translation for it, but basically, yeah, basically to. what the mantra is yeah. implying is, uh, you know, oh Krishna, oh energy of Krishna, please engage me in your service. So yeah. Krishna, you're praying to Krishna himself and then his energy. Yeah. And you're asking his energy to engage you in service to him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
At the time of death, the Vishnaduta said, Ajamil helplessly and very loudly chanted the holy name of the Lord Narayan. That chanting alone has already freed him from having to take birth again for his sinful life. Therefore, do not try to take him to your master for punishment and for imprisonment in another material body. The Vishnadutas then released Ajamil from the ropes of the servant of the servants of the Lord of Death. Ajamil came to his senses and, freed from fear, paid his heartfelt respects to the Vishnadutas by bowing his head at their feet. But when the Vishnadutas saw that Ajamil was trying to say something to them, they disappeared. This is uh, like when the CIA shows up and is like, this is our jurisdiction now, and the local cops are like, what? what? Like, we just but... we caught this guy. He yeah. stuff. And like, yeah, but there's stuff you don't know about. So yeah. You gotta move on. Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> was this a dream I saw? Ajamil wondered. Or was it reality? I saw fearsome men with ropes in their hands coming to drag me away. Where have they gone? And why are there four... And where are those four radiant persons? Oh, okay, okay. Where have they gone, and where are those four radiant persons who saved me? Ajamil then began to reflect on his life. Okay, so I'm assuming he they his soul was then returned to his body. Yeah, they so, didn't okay. take him. Being a servant of my senses, how degraded I became. I fell down from my position as a saintly brahmana and begot children in the womb of a prostitute. Indeed, I don't think it's so much that it was the womb of a prostitute, but that it was... The womb of wife. another woman that was not your wife, and you yeah. threw your wife out. And, and it was yeah. all about the sex. It wasn't yeah. about any, any sort of <clears throat> spiritual yeah. life. I gave up my chaste and beautiful young wife. What's more, my father and mother were old and had no other friend or son to look after them. Because I did not take care of them, they lived with great pain and difficulty. I mean, yeah, his mom and dad had to see him acting like that. and yeah. really... It is now clear that a sinful person like myself should have been forced in his next life to suffer hellishly. I am such an unfortunate person, said Ajamil, but now that I have another chance, I must try to become free from the vicious cycle of birth and death. Ajamil immediately renounced his prostitute wife and journeyed to Haridwar, a place of pilgrimage in the Himalayan mountains. There he took shelter at a Vishnu temple where he practiced bhakti yoga, the yoga of devotional service to the Supreme Lord. In the uh, Bhagavad Gita, you know, there's many different types of yoga in Krishna states, bhakti yoga is the ultimate uh, yeah. form of yoga. It will give you the, the results of the other forms of yoga, which ultimately are to remember, yeah, you know, like become a god. It's the, it's, the, it's the shortcut. <clears throat> when his mind and intelligence were fixed in perfect meditation on the form of the Lord, Ajamil again saw before him four celestial beings. Recognizing them as the same Vishnudutas who had saved him from the agents of death, he bowed down before them. There at Haridwar, on the banks of the Ganges, Ajamil gave up his temporary material body and regained his eternal spiritual form. Accompanied by the Vishnudutas, he boarded a golden aircraft and passed through the airways and went directly to the abode of Lord Vishnu, never again to reincarnate in this material world. Yeah. Woo! Saved by the skin mm. of your teeth. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Saved by the name of Narayan. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh. Thank you guys very much for listening. Yeah, it was um, good. And we'll be back soon with another one. Yep. Hare Krishna. Hare Bowl.